Well, amen. Thank you. One thing I'd like you to do, would you just stand for a moment? I want us to um, appreciate you, Zach. Don't you love him? He's, a, he's, he's, gonna, he's the real deal. You know, we're, we're seeing some incredible leadership raised up right here at New Horizon. And uh, he is one of them. And we're proud to say our son-in-law is one of them. And there's a, there's a few others as well. Amen? But this morning, I want us to get something. Because, you know, sometimes we come into church and we listen and we leave. And, and really, we don't give it a lot of second thoughts or third thoughts or fourth thoughts. We're moving on with life, you know, the... You know, there will be a Seahawk game that will distract us. There will be, you know, whatever. Life distracts us. And sometimes we've got to be careful not to lose our purpose in the distractions. Amen? And, uh, and so I just wanted us to stand for a moment. And I want us just to acknowledge that this morning we're going to hear some things that hopefully will make us to never be the same again. And I mean that in a positive way. You, I want us to leave here today challenged and changed. I want us to leave here today fired up and reignited. I want us to leave here today more than ever ready to serve God and see the kingdom expanded. Amen? That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm hoping for today. And I believe that's what the word that's in my heart uh, that I'm going to share with you today, I believe that's why God planted it there. Amen? So let's just pray really quick. Father... This morning, I declare over your people, open ears to hear, hearts to change, minds to be renewed. And Lord, this morning we say, bring us your word. We say, bring us your power, God. Change us today, God. Make us never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. It's good to see everybody here. You know, sometimes when pastors are gone... It can be a little, uh, a little challenging. We have a 10 o'clock Seahawk game. Pastors are out of town. You know, feeling the, the need to hang out at home this morning. But you made it. And, and if, if they, the Seahawks lose, you can blame the people that weren't here. Make them feel really guilty about missing church. Amen? But this morning, you know, I want to talk to us a little bit. Pastor Joel has gone through four weeks of preaching on the pathway to purpose. Most of us were here for that. And, um, and really, um, what I want to talk about is the blessings of following the pathway to purpose. You see, see, I believe that, that when we walk in the will of God, there are things that begin to happen in our lives that we never dreamed were possible. Amen? You know, during her sermon, the first one, she talked about the church shrinking in number. You remember that? And there's a few folks here this morning that were here then, the Schmitz, Patty and Rosina, Sandy and I, and I, I don't know, others certainly, the DeVores were here, and there were multiples of us that were here. But, you know, what was interesting about that was that when things began to look bleak and people had abandoned us, we still had a dream. We still had something to fulfill. We still had a vision and a purpose. I look at it this way. Some of us may have sold our stock a little bit early. 
1995-ish, I bought Amazon stock. $11 a share. I was not a very good stock investor. I'm still not because I watch things too closely. But it fell to like $6. And I was pretty bummed because I'd lost half my money. And then it went back up to about $8 and $9. And I think at 10 when it had recovered to 10 I sold it. I haven't looked today, but last I looked, it was well over $100 a share. And I don't know how many times it's split. I'm sure it's done it a few times. You know, it used to be that Microsoft was splitting all the time, you know, and everybody would whine about all the money they didn't make in Microsoft. But, you know, sometimes, and I think this is the case, there may be people who drive by this building and think, sold my stock a little early. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just pointing out that sometimes we lose heart and we lose hope instead of plugging into Jesus to keep our heart and our hope about what he's about to do. Does that make sense? And, you know, you might have been, you might be new here. You might have been here for a while. And Pastor Joel took us through this series, and you might have even signed up to do a couple of things a few weeks ago when we had all of the tables set out after church. And, and, uh, and some of us, we, we do that because we want to fill the cards. Some of us do it because we're actually going to plug in and do some things, and, and that's wonderful and good, and it's all necessary and appropriate. But I must tell you, I believe this, that you've been marked for kingdom purpose. The fact that you're here today is an indication that you've been marked to do something great for God. Amen? And I think that as Christians, we have to have a view of the kingdom that says, you know what, it is ever increasing. It's not shrinking. It's not failing. It's not pulling back. It is ever increasing. The Bible says to expand your tent stakes. Well, you don't do that when you're shrinking. You do that when you're ready to have a new baby. You do that when you're ready to, to expand some things. When we had child number one, we didn't need a different house. We had child number two, we kind of needed one, but we couldn't handle it. Child number three required a new job, a new paycheck, a new house, a new car, and all kinds of stuff that came with child number three. And child number three still requires me to have a lot more stuff I don't know where she went, but. But, you know, it, that's the expansion, but that's the mindset. We, we have to have a mindset that's kingdom-minded that says we are going to see this place grow. We're going to see the kingdom of God grow. We're going to see people come to Christ. We're going to be ministers of the gospel. We're going to do something that when we leave this earth, people will say they marked their time. They did some things for the, for the gospel. Amen? You know, you come in here and you start looking around and you go, well, where do I fit in? You know, when I was in high school, I took a lot of journalism classes because I thought I wanted to be a journalist. And, and they taught us some things. They said, you know, there's a few things that you always want to make sure you're covering in your articles. And they are, you know, the where, the when, the how, the why. Amen? Got it? So, you know, where do I fit in? Who am I? 
What's my purpose? When do I get involved? Where can I be effective? Why did God put me here? And how can I serve? You know, the Bible says in Psalm 92, 13, it says this. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, that's interesting. You think about plants for a moment. You know, at our house, we like flowers. Do you like flowers? Some people do, some people don't. But I like flowers. I like odorous flowers. I like to smell things when I come home. When I go to my, come through my front door, I want to smell flowers. And we plant things that, are, that have nice floral smells when we walk up into our house. And it's interesting because you can buy annuals, you can buy perennials, and you can buy other things that grow roots really deep and never have to be replaced. Now, some of us, we've lived our lives being annuals. Come on. We've lived our lives being perennials, and some of us are living our lives Paparon, Dick, as oak trees. And I want to tell you something. You know, annuals, you think about them, you buy them all the time, they're cheap, they're disposable, they don't need a lot of care. A little bit of water is about it. They live a season and they die and, they, and they're gone, and next year we'll get some new ones. Perennials, they'll live that season, they die back to their root, we cut them down, and they'll come back next year. And the oak tree never loses anything. It's just strong and rooting and growing and, and it loses its leaves, but then it creates shade in the summer months and it's amazing. And it grows tall and the wood is sought after and, and, and it's just hardy. Amen? And, you know, I believe that, that God's calling us to be oaks, not to be annuals. And if you've spent your life bouncing around from church to church, I want you to consider this message this morning. Because I think it's important that when we go somewhere and we get planted, that we begin to put down deep, strong roots that allow God to use us to become more than just something that is annually there and, and going away and coming back and and then showing back up and then leaving and showing back up and leaving. That's not what God intended us to do. And we can never be effective if that's our lifestyle. You know, the Passion Translation says it this way. It says, look how you've made all of your lovers to flourish like palm trees, each one growing in victory, standing with strength. You've transplanted them into your heavenly courtyard where they are thriving before you. For in your presence they will still overflow and be anointed. And even in their old age they will stay fresh, bearing luscious fruit and abiding faithfully. Come on, how many of you want to be that? Come on. Come on, don't you want to be somebody that's providing luscious fruit and shade and you're effective for the kingdom of God when you're older and you're effective when you're younger and you're effective in the middle and you're just effective for the kingdom of God. When people see you coming, they know that you represent Jesus. 
And they know that you represent what God has for them in their lives. And they're seeking after you. And they're saying, how can I get a little bit of what you've got on you? I want it on me. I need it on me. Come on, that's what God's calling us to do and to be. When Sandy and I were first married, we felt like God was calling us to be pastors. I had, from a very young child, been, been really mentored and, and groomed to be a pastor. That was kind of the call and the expectation. My, my great-grandfather was a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. My father was a pastor. I need to be a pastor. When, when, the, when they dedicated me to the Lord when I was a baby, the Lord spoke to my mother and said, lay him on the altar, he's not yours. And, and so I began to believe, you know, I'm going to be a pastor. That's my role. And that became the call of our lives. And so when we got married, we believed that we were going to be pastoring. And so we, but you, you know, we had to have a job. And, and, and so I began to just do jobs. And we had, we had things kind of going. We had a kind of a career path. But, but I was holding back a little bit because I didn't want to get too involved and waste a ton of my time when I wasn't going to hang in there and do that for the rest of my life. Because after all, I was going to be a pastor. And, and so, you know, we're moving along and life's going on. And we had been married about 10 years and, you know, begin to have our kids had been born by then and we were, we were still doing okay. And I had a job that was in a government office and I felt pretty good about things. I had a retirement, I had a pension. I had, you know, like, I had everything I needed. You know, we were living in a subdivision house, and it was nice, and it was wonderful. Our kids were growing up and going to private school. Things were going pretty well. We had a very good middle-class American lifestyle, and we were pretty happy with it because, honestly, it was way better than we ever dreamed. And, and we were like the first people in our family that, that when we bought our new house, we didn't, enjoy, we didn't have to invite the relatives over to help us take the wheels off of it. So it was great. And then in the fall of 94, I innocently get on an airplane to fly to Philadelphia to take a class. And I sit down in my little window seat, and I'm ready to relax for the next few hours and hang out and wait until I get there. You know, I had, this was 94, so I had a CD player and headphones and about half a dozen CDs, and I, I don't know, I was probably going to rock out to something like Alabama, or I, I don't know, who knows, okay? And lo and behold, here comes this tall, nice-looking guy and a, and a cute little wife, and, they, and I look at them, and I'm thinking, wow, I kind of recognize them, and, and, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, you realize that, like, they're going to sit by you, like, they're by me. I was just grateful it wasn't the lady behind them with the twins that was screaming. But anyway, and um, so they sat down, and we began to chat, introduced ourselves. And I actually, right then, I knew who they were. And, and he said that his name was Dwayne Wolf, and he wanted me to meet his wife, Joel. And, and I actually knew who they were because we were at Christian Faith Center when they had been ordained and sent out to start this church. And about that time, the pilot came on the air and he said, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. 
You need to adjoin yourself to the man sitting next to you. He actually didn't say that, but that's what I heard. It was God speaking to me. And the Holy Spirit said, adjoin yourself to this man. And it was as loud as anything I've ever heard, ever. We got to Chicago where they were getting off the plane and I was traveling on and I hurried and found a phone because back then we didn't have cell phones. I ran, found a phone, called Sandy and said, honey, you're not going to believe what just happened. And I told her about it and we were excited and we said, you know what, we'll talk about it when you get home. And, and so we went on about life and, and, uh, and that's how we met our pastors. And we, we went to CFC, so we wrapped things up up there over the next 14 months and and we came here January of, two, of uh, 1996, same Sunday that Patty and Rosina came, I believe. And uh, usually around the 1st of January, I'll tell them happy anniversary. And at that moment, I knew that God had been prepping us for something totally different than we really thought we were going to do. Because still, at that moment in time, if you had asked me, what are you going to do for the rest of your life, I would have told you that I was going to be a pastor. That's what I would have told you. And so even though the job was moving on, the career was on track, things were going well, we still in the back of our minds were holding back a little bit because we knew this wasn't forever. We were going to be pastors. And, and then all of a sudden, comes God shows up and decides to mess with the plan. And so we were about to become supporting cast members for something totally different than what we ever dreamed would happen. And God spoke to me one day, and and he said, this is what you were intended to do all along. I was like, really? That's awesome. Because all of a sudden, seriously, I felt about 10,000 tons of, of weight just come off my shoulders. Like, all of a sudden, everything became clearer. It was like, have you ever gotten new glasses and you put them on and just everything is instantly more clear? You can read things and see things. That's how I felt. All of a sudden, I was just, everything was clear. And I was like, man, this is going to be really fun. That's exactly what I thought, too. And, and so I began to, you know, recognize that I'm on this track of where God wants me to be a support over here. He's got me in a support role over here. And all of a sudden, both tracks go, start going really super well. The job is going well. The track of the church is going well. And, and then a few months after we came here, um, the Holy Spirit just moved me out of the job I was in and into something totally different that has just completely blown us away with what God intended and what he had purpose. And, and it's all related to obedience, every bit of it. I don't take one ounce of credit for what God has done in our lives, period. And so, you know, it wasn't what we planned, but it sure was what God had in mind. And, you know, he put a dream in us then. And I remember, you know, we would come to church and and we were beginning to hear things that we had never heard before. We had been in church all of our lives. This isn't like new stuff happening all the time. But all of a sudden, remember, everything is more clear. And I can see things that I've never been able to see before. 
And all of a sudden, Sandy and I start getting a hold of a word from God that he's about to take us places we've never been. He's going to give us dreams and visions that we've never had. He's about to unveil onto us a lifestyle that we could only have imagined by watching television. And all of a sudden, God begins to plant this seed. And he says, I'm going to give you some desires that you didn't even, you didn't, you've never even been bold enough to believe for them. But I'm going to give them to you. And Sandy starts telling me, you know what, God spoke to me and we're going to, we're going to make X dollars. And I'm like, you keep that faith, baby. <laughs> and then pretty soon, it happened. And I remember she and I, I got a big promotion. And she and I went to celebrate. And so we went to IHOP for dinner. And they were serving T-bone steaks for $14.99. And I was really excited. And we're sitting there in the restaurant. I'm not kidding. And I'm like, I'm like dressed up. The car is clean. The wife is pretty. And we're sitting there. And I leaned over. I said, honey, come here. She leans over to me and says, I got a promotion, and we're going to be making X dollars. She got so excited because it was the very thing God had put in her heart. It didn't matter that we were at IHOP. We could have gone somewhere else. Like, but that was elevated over Taco Bell, McDonald's, <laughs> Burger King. You know, I used to run up to Frugal's and grab the 99-cent burgers with the kids. Seriously. But... Then, like later on, God starts giving her a different vision. And I'm starting to think, okay, God, you realize who you're talking about, right? It's me. Me. And God's like, yeah, it's you. And I'm about to blow you up, boy. And God began to blow us up. And, you know, in the early days, there were so many people that we thought had more talent. They were better looking. They had better houses. They had better cars. They had better jobs. They had all, they were the package. And, you know, I thought, you know, well, I'll just help out. But I'm never going to be that guy because look at how talented and sharp he is and Look at how much they do, and, and I could never be that. And then people started to go away. And, you know, some of us here today, we might feel the same way. You might have come in here, and you see everybody around, and you're like, man, I, and you get intimidated. Don't, don't, don't be intimidated. Here's the, the one problem when you come into something that's already going. You don't know where people came from who are leading. See, none of you knew me 25, 30 years ago. And, and if you did, you would have thought he'll never make it. Seriously. You would have thought, boy, that's, that's a marriage that's going to end in disaster. They are way too young to be getting married. And, you know, I mean, we got married. We were 18, me, and she was 16. And I know she still looks like 17, but she was 16 at the time. God has preserved her for me so well. It's, it's, it's awesome. She wasn't even out of high school yet. 
She still had two years of high school to complete. The day we got married, I became her legal guardian. <laughs> Sandy, you'll need to take this note home and have your husband sign it. I hope she's not listening right now. (laughs) But I I have to tell you, though, that's what we were. You know, our first car was just a pile of garbage. And we could barely get to church, and I could barely do some things, but we were faithful people. Even in my first, we we got married, I worked as a janitor at at a restaurant that's down on 38th and Pine Street in Tacoma. It's called the Pine Street Grill now. Back then, it was the steak and lobster shop or house or something like that. And um, I remember going in, and I told the, the manager, I said, well, I need to, on Saturday night, they had me come in after the bar would close on Sunday morning at 2 a.m. Uh, I had to come in on Sunday morning, and I'd clean, and I'd go home about 3 o'clock, and I had, you know, I had an eight-hour shift. And I told the guy, I said, you know, it's really silly that I have to come in here. I can't come in here before then and then leave. You know, so I proposed to the guy. I said, I'll come in at 2.30 clean the bar, clean everything else in the restaurant, and I'm going to be out of here by 8 o'clock so that I can take my wife to church. I was 18. But that I knew that was, that was absolutely imperative that I pastor my wife well and make sure we were in church. And so I did that. So Saturday night was spent not sleeping. It was spent working. And Sunday morning I was at home early enough to get dressed and ready, and we were at the church on time. And that's how we lived our lives. And I was excited about that because it meant that we could go to church together. It was really important to me. I just knew that it was important for us to do this. And, and so when we first came to the church, you know, we were really intimidated. I, I probably wasn't nearly as much as she was. Sandy was, you know, extremely shy, seriously. You don't know her from then, but those of you that are here now, you think, well, she's shy? Really? But she was. And one of the first things we did was we were invited to go over to the pastor's house and just, you know, meet and greet. And, uh, and so we went to their home. And, again, we were intimidated. Get to their house. We're like, ooh, nice house. This is cool, you know. And there were lots of people there. And we began, and, and we played an icebreaker. And, and that night was just absolutely horrible for my wife. She was so shy she could have crawled under the carpet just to hide from people. She didn't want to be seen. And, and so that was what happened. So we left there that night, and we thought, man, what is God up to? He's told us to be here. We clearly, at least in our own minds, are way out of our league. But, you know, we didn't think we measured up, but God did. He's like, you guys measure up just fine. You'll be fine. You hang in there. And... You know, here's the thing about God. He doesn't call the most obvious people to the most obvious positions. He's looking for the yes people. He's looking for somebody that will just say, you know what, God, I'm going to cooperate with you. I'm going to cooperate with your call on my life. I'm going to cooperate with the things that you've set in place for me to do. And I'm going to just take this thing for a ride as long as I can ride it and let you just do your work in my life. And, and so that was what, we, what happened. So we began to serve. We jumped in. We, we went back to start. And we said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to do what you guys did a couple weeks ago. And we signed up for some things. So you know what I was doing? I was really in a very, very important role of serving 
lattes every Sunday to people that came to the church. That was my job. I signed up to be a latte boy. And I learned how to make espressos. And I had never done that before. And we had a little cart. In fact, I think the cart we had for the, car, uh, for the coffee bar back then is being used today in Nitro for their, their little table when they sign kids in. That was our coffee bar. And we had two little Starbucks espresso machines that were, you know, about 12 inches tall and 12 inches, you know, by 12 or whatever. And we'd make lattes for people. I remember one Sunday I'm making mochas and I'm dumping chocolate and all of a sudden the, the thing explodes and I have chocolate all over my white shirt right before church is to start. Like, this is good. You did this to me. And then, you know, I stand up and I, I sing in the choir for 10 years. I, there were times I was the tenor section. And, you know, and there were, there were, that was just what it was. And, and then Sandy agreed to lead Kingdom Kids. And for 10 years, she led Kingdom Kids ministry. And when she first started that, now here's a shy girl. And when you get the title like Kingdom Kids leader, you know what people do? They run from you. Because they're afraid of you you might ask them to change a diaper. Okay? And so Sandy starts out leading Kingdom Kids, and, and she's already shy, and here people are rejecting her, and she hasn't even met them yet. And so we started praying and asking God for direction, and, and the Lord just began to open her up and teach her the grace of serving, the grace of leading And over 10 years, she led that. By the time she left, not only did she have every position filled, she had people on a waiting list who wanted to be Kingdom Kid leaders. They wanted to teach. They wanted to serve because of her leadership. It's like, that's a different person than started 10 years before. But that's what God can do. Amen? So I tell you this. Don't disdain the things that you're doing and don't consider them a waste of time. See, some people, they'll go through life wasting their time. They're, everything they do is a waste. Their job's a waste. Their rent is a waste. Their helping out in small ways is a waste. They allow life to go by, and most of it they consider to have been a waste. We don't want to do that. We don't want to be people like that. Don't disdain the little things. But I want you to, to think about this for a moment. Have you considered this? That you know, I talked about flowers a few minutes ago annuals, perennials, and then I talked about trees. And, you know, it's interesting that the very thing that we consider waste, you know what it becomes for those flowers? Fertilizer. You ever thought maybe the things that you think are a waste, God's using to fertilize your life? Come on, ever thought about that? Maybe that little position, that's just what you need to feed your soul, to feed your intelligence, to feed your spirit, to feed what God is about to grow you into becoming. Does that make sense? So when you leave here today and you're thinking about your life, don't consider anything you're doing a waste. Consider what you're doing fertilizer for where God's taking you. Amen? Come on.
you know, time went by, and Sandy started leading Kingdom Kids. Pastor called me one day. He says, Joe, I've been praying, and God spoke to me, and he said, I need you to help me on platform ministry. I thought, well, that's a long shot from being the coffee boy. And, and so we began, and I, I came out of the coffee bar, threw away the coffee stains and the, and the chocolate-stained shirts, and, and began to do announcements and just help out with plat- platform ministry wherever he needed me to be. Again, I did not consider myself to be the most qualified person for that. God did. I didn't. I thought, man, there are a lot more talented people than me to do that. But you know what, God, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to, to confront, complain, or, or, or argue with God. I'm here for a purpose. Amen? And so, so we just began to plug in. And here's the cool thing. When you serve, God's going to notice your sacrifice. And then in Isaiah, it said this. He said in Isaiah 119, he says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I want to be willing and obedient. Regardless of what he calls me to do, I'm going to be willing and obedient. And then it says this in Exodus. It's talking about when they were building the tabernacle. And people began to hear the call. We're going to build a tabernacle for God. And here's what it says. It says, and everyone who was willing and whose heart was moved, one translation says, everyone who is willing and able brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the Lord on the the tent meeting for all its service and the sacred garments. All were willing. All who were willing. See, now here's something to note. It isn't saying that everybody came and brought an offering. It isn't saying that everybody was willing. It says all who were willing. There were some people that were sitting there doubting what these folks were doing. They're like, you're crazy. You're giving away your prized possessions to build something for something you can't see. All because somebody said you should do it because there's this God out there that needs us to do this. So you can imagine there were doubters among them. But you know what? The Bible didn't say that the doubters got to go in. It just said all who were willing and obedient, they brought things and they received a blessing because of it. It goes on and it talks about how that in verse 35 it says, He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers, etc. All of them skilled workers and designers. I want us to catch something here. This is really important. If you leave here today, With only one thing, get this right here. This is absolutely crucial. God spoke this to me a couple of weeks ago, and I about came out of my skin. He said, I "I can take the willing and make them able, but I cannot take the able and make them willing. That's why there are talented people. There are better-looking people. There are people that are more successful. There are people that are doing things that you think you could never do. But you know what? They're missing something. They're not willing to be sacrificial about what they're doing. And what God is asking from us is, you know what, I need you to be willing. I'll take care of the ability. I'll take care of that for you, but I need you to be willing before you can do anything else. I was telling someone recently, I said, you know, there was a time in my life when I felt like, that. I literally felt like this. this is, I'm not kidding you guys. And it's going to sound kind of funny, but I felt like the Holy Spirit literally opened my cranium 
pulled my hair back when I had hair <laughs> and dumped knowledge into my, into my brain. Like about things that I had never knew before. We'd be talking and I'd be seeing things and sensing things and it would be just like wisdom that I had never learned from anyone. Just stuff. And all of a sudden I'm like, man, that is the Holy Spirit because I didn't, I didn't read that in a book and I didn't hear it on a radio and I just, God just poured it into me. He can do that for all of us. And when a lot of other people had, had left, you know, here we were. And I remember we went down to about 80 people. And we thought, man, how are we going to do this? I consider Valley Avenue right there, that was, our, that was our, our Jordan. We were on the other side. We had this land over here that God had promised us, and we owned it. And this was our promised land. And, and we were on the other side of the Jordan, and we had to get across. And there were people fighting us everywhere that you could imagine. And then, you know, we lose our financing, and things start falling apart in that realm. And all that stuff is happening. And then November 2001, 10-year anniversary. Now we're coming up on our 25th. And we're up at Faith Family Church, and we have a pastor in speaking that night. And this guy gets on the platform, and he was very prophetic. And I'll use Claire and Craig as my example because they're sitting about where Sandy and I were. We haven't moved much. (laughs) Stand up. This is what he did. He comes off the platform. He stands up. He looks at the two of us, and he says, you two are going to be the ones to finance the new building. And I stood like Craig is, like, thanks, dude. See you soon. I looked at Sandy, and I thought, I knew I had more money than I thought I did. She's been hiding it from me. But no, we, we knew something was about to happen. Now, this is what's interesting. I want you to get this. This is a cool story. God just showed me this yesterday. I hope I'm about five minutes out-ish. So if I go over a little, you still love me. Okay. I just want you to hear this because this is, this is good stuff. Okay. And so I could have gone home and, let, and ignored the whole thing because it was so silly. It's like we needed $1.2 like million. I had like point zero 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 one of $1.2 million. Might have been a trillion. It might as well have been a trillion. It might as well have been. It didn't matter. It was irrelevant. I mean, we had like probably literally, we probably at the time, we, might have, we probably had 500 bucks in savings. That was like an emergency fund to take care of my tires if they blew or something, you know? Nothing. I didn't, nothing. And, and God just, like, pours this on us. And we could have decided that it wasn't for us and that the pastor who came had missed God, and he didn't know any better because we were sitting on the front row. And, you know, after all, people on the front row, they've paid their way to the top, right? Kidding. Okay? And, you know... And, or maybe we thought, you know, the people behind us really was who he was intending for. He just missed it by three feet. You know, we had all kinds of excuses we could have come up with, but actually we didn't. You know what we did? We said, hmm, that's an interesting word. 
now we have some work to do. We need to figure out what God's intending because we knew we didn't have the money. And remember, he said, You're, you two are going to be the ones to finance the building. Thinking, that's interesting. We got some work to do, baby. Stop spending anything, you know. So we began to pray and just seek God. And we became pregnant with that word. We decided, you know what, we're going to be pregnant with this vision of financing this building. And so how long does it take to have a baby? Yeah, early August 2002, nine months later, I'm up praying. And I'm like, God, you told us this. We're believing that you are not a God who goes back on his word. We've got to get this building built. God, I need the answer, and I feel like I've waited about long enough. And, and I was sitting there, and it was dark, and I'm praying, and the Holy Spirit just kind of like says, here's what you're going to do. And God just laid the whole thing out for me on how it was going to be done. And it had nothing to do, it did not even come close to anything I could have imagined or conjured up in my little pea brain. Would have never, couldn't have happened. And I left for work, and by then I actually had a cell phone, and I called pastor on my way to work. I said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. Okay, I'm praying this morning, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and here's how we're going to finance the building. And I get, I, you know, I thought on the other end of the phone you'd expect like, yes, way to go, we're going to do it. I just complete dead silence. He goes, well, um, keep me posted. I'm like, keep you posted, that's it? That's all I get? So I go to work, and I did exactly what God said to do. Went in, sat down, I had this meeting with a guy, told him what I was doing, told him why I was doing it, I told him why I was there. I said, I'm here because I think you could do the loan for us. And without breathing a breath, I kid you not, this guy says, yeah, I'll do that. And in 30 seconds, it was over with. We were done. We had our financing. He says, I just want to meet your pastor, kind of understand him a little bit. Yeah, give God the glory. Come on. Come on. Come on. Now, some of you have heard that story before in, in some of the classes we've taught and whatnot, but I don't, I don't think I've ever said it to the entire church. But I want to tell you something. When God gets you pregnant with something, you better get ready because nine months later, you're about to have a baby. I'm telling you. And we had a baby. And when we got the financing done, all of a sudden, everything else started falling into place. Building permit, no problem. People who had been fighting us on the land are out of the way. Everything starts happening. God said to us at one point, he said, everything you need is in the house. That was right after we had lost our financing. God spoke to me and said, everything you need is in the house. (laughs) Everything we needed was here all along. The right people the right passions, the people that didn't look the best or smell the best or act the best or have the most education or have the most money or have the best houses. But God showed up. And when God showed up, none of that mattered because all he needed was willing people that he could give some ability to. Come on. And when you leave here today, 
I want you to understand something. Do not be intimidated by your surroundings. Begin to recognize that, you know what, if I'll get, in, if I'll get engaged with God, if I'll just get engaged with the Holy Spirit, if I'll just start doing the things that God has asked me to do, you know what, He's about to pour favor onto you that you've never seen before just because of your obedience. He needs us to be obedient people. When Pastor Joel got us to sign up for stuff, you know what? A lot of us did that. We got our free latte, whatever it was we got for filling out our card. And, you know, we moved on and we might hear from somebody and and blah, 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 blah. But you know what? Get on the bicycle and start riding because God's going to blow you up. He's going to do something in your life that you've never seen possible before. Amen? You might think that, that you're not able, but I'm telling you, you are well able. You are well able. And, you know, think about this for a minute. Instead of confessing the negative things over you, start saying, I am a child of God. I am a lender and not a borrower. I am righteous. I am prospering. I am healthy. I am well able to lead that group. I'm well able to do things that God has called me to do. Come on, begin to believe that about ourselves. And I'm telling you, God can take you places that you never dreamed were possible, thought were ever going to come your direction. But God began to pour into our lives the things that we couldn't believe. And, and we have set our place, you know, it, it are the places in our lives, we've just been blown away with God's mercy and His grace and His love and His kindness that He's extended to us throughout our lives. And He's not done yet. That's the cool part. But I want to tell you this morning, I believe this. Your set time has come. I want you to see something in the Scripture really quick. In It says this in Psalm 102. It says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let me cry. Let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day. And when I'm in trouble, I incline your ear to hear me. In the day when I call, answer me speedily. For the days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned as a hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass, so I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groanings, my bones cling to my skin. See, when, when we were going through those tough times, that became kind of like we could have gotten depressed as a church. We're like, we're shrinking. We've lost weight. People have left us. We're abandoned. But no, we're sitting there. We're like, God, come on, we need you. We've lost some weight here and we're starving, but God, you're in control. You've got some things for us to do. And that word that you spoke over us in, in 1991 is still true today. And we've got things to do. There are people that are dying. There are people that need Jesus. There are people that need Recover Life. There are people here in Fife that need the Jesus that we have. God, don't, don't abandon us now. And then the verse on down, it says this. It says, Thou shalt arise. And have mercy, mercy upon Zion. God, you're going to arise and have mercy on New Horizon Christian Center. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. We began to believe that, that the set time had come for God to do something great. And I'm telling you today, your set time has come. God's about to call you out. And he's about to set you in a place that you've never dreamed was possible before. If you'll get into obedience with him. One version says this, it says, your compassion and your mercy to be poured out. The appointed time has come for your prophetic promises to be fulfilled. Come on. You ever had a prophetic word given over your life and you're still waiting for it? You're pregnant with something right now. 
I want the worship team to come and just begin to play, but I want you to stand with me this morning. Come on, if, you've, if you came in here this morning, you're like, you know what, I've had some things that I'm called to do, and I just haven't done it. I've had some things that I've been asked to do, and I just haven't reached back and said, yes, I'll do them. Or I've, I've got a call on my life to do something, and I've, I've withheld. I've disqualified myself. I want to tell you, today is your set time. God's about to pour out His favor on your life if you'll get in agreement with Him. He wants, to, he wants to take you from the place that you are now to the places that He's promised you to go. Amen? So this morning, as, as we close, I want you to think about this. Think, God, what can I do to make sure that the things that I've been promised, God, they begin to come true in my life? Come on, this morning, and we'll open the altars as, as we close this morning. But I want us to really plug in and, and, and understand, you know, God's called us into something greater than we could have ever dreamed or imagined. I would have never imagined that I could have had a hand in seeing something like this be constructed. Could have never imagined that, that I'd be up here teaching all of you today. You know, my idea of being a pastor was about 30 people, seriously. And, you know, you kind of work bifocationally and, and you just kind of muddle along in life. And that was the call I felt was on my life. And God's like, you know what? I didn't call you for little things. I called you to do some big stuff. I called you to leave a legacy. And I think he's called all of us to leave a legacy, to make some things happen in our lives. When, when I'm gone and my grandkids are running this place and Pastor Wolf's kids are running this place and the Lipinski's kids are running this place, you know, I want them to look back and say, you know what? Look at the roots that we have. And I hope they have the Tacoma Dome by then, you know? Come on. God is more than able to give us this region, not only just this city, but this region. He didn't call us to small things. He's called us to something great. There's 500 of us. If we've got 500 people doing something together, imagine what we can do. So this morning as we close, if you feel like, you know what, i got to just plug in to the Holy Spirit this morning, I'm going to invite you to come forward and just begin to seek God and and ask Him for His favor and clarity on your life this morning. Amen. God bless you as you go, folks. Amen. God bless you. 